it's okay to say amen to that too if you want to. And I do need to say, I presume a little corner of heaven will be about like this, with a wonderful soprano section and timpani and brass and just it's right there and it's fabulous. So thanks to all of our musicians in this balcony and in this loft and all the people who have given wonderful musical leadership throughout the season of Lent and even in this Holy Week. And to all of us, welcome to Third Church on this glorious Easter morning. We are indeed a diverse crew gathered here. I'm thankful for that. Male and female, young and old, gay and straight and trans, longtime member, occasional guest, lifelong Presbyterian, former Roman Catholic, kind of have it figured out and still figuring it out, Red Sox fan, Yankee fan, other. <laughs> Perhaps you read this week a news story confirming not only that religious participation was declining in the United States, but that church membership in our nation has plummeted. That's the word the story used, plummeted, in the last 20 years. It's even more pronounced in mainline Protestantism. That's us. And it's even more pronounced in the Northeast. That's also us. Even so, here we are, as we have been doing for nearly 200 years. My elevator speech for Third Church links worship that is engaging and thoughtful, music and preaching and liturgy, with nurture that cares for people within these walls of all ages, and service and advocacy that engages the world beyond our walls. An even shorter elevator speech would be our tagline, Seeking the Light, which intimates an ongoing journey toward something, light, that would look like beauty and justice and reconciliation and love. Scripture calls Jesus the light, and Jesus tells us that we are light, and both are correct, seeking the light. So welcome, all of you, and those who are visitors and guests, please come back and join us if the Spirit is leading you in that direction. We would love to have you be a part of this community of faith. Each year, this congregation adopts a theme to help us organize, to provide a framework of sorts. This year's theme is not so much a theme, like connecting or reconciliation or stewardship, but an activity, a synthesizing principle. A year of stories, stories. We've liked it so much that next year will be a year of stories, chapter two. Pretty clever, huh? And hopefully chapter 2 will be like Toy Story 2 or Godfather 2 and not like Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> we barely scratched the surface of the potential of story, telling our stories, listening to stories within and listening to stories beyond our walls. I think that's why we're here. 
Some of you might remember the television show called Cheers and its catchy theme song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And that's what church is, or it's at least what church ought to be, a place where everybody knows your story. That's definitely what faith is, real and honest faith, a place where your story can be told unvarnished and to be accepted, a place where all stories are heard without filter. That happens in very few places anymore. Social media asks you to fabricate a story. If we would ever post our full and true selves on Facebook or Instagram, there's no telling what might happen, but not here, or not church, or at least where church is at its best. And when church is not at its best, at least that's what Jesus invites us to do. And that's really why we're here. It is this story. No longer does the pool of that's what people do matter so much, and I, personally and frankly, have very little interest in a critique of those who come here or go to any church on Christmas or Easter. This story is not about obligation. Now, it might be the music, it might be the flowers, it might be a kind of theological curiosity or a or muscle memory from childhood, but I believe we are here now, in 2019, because something at heart about the story has drawn us here. Now every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tells it a bit differently, which indicates to me that the 20th century quest for a kind of historical precision, the question, what really happened on Easter morning, has subsided. We get Luke's version this morning. Allow me to read it just now. You can find it on page 90 in your Bibles in front of you. If you'd like to follow along, let us hear God's word. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves when he went home, amazed at what had happened. Treat this like the story it is, with a plot and characters, 
and a theme. I'll give you a little hint. The theme is resurrection. But even so, what does that mean? A group of women went to the tomb to care for the body. The the stone was already rolled away. There was no body there. The women were very perplexed. And then out of nothing, two men in dazzling clothes showed up. The women go from being perplexed to being terrified. And rather than issuing a declaration, and I think this matters, rather than issuing a declaration, the two young men ask a question. It's a question that is at the heart of the stories of our lives, isn't it? It's not a story about what you believe. It's not a story about Jesus so much, but it's a question that goes to our core. Why do you look for the living among the dead? So that's the plot right there, not just this morning, but the whole thing. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Our tendency to look for the living among the dead, God's enterprise from the very start to this very moment, to create life from death. Now in those few brief verses, notice whose stories are told. The women, these extraordinary women, after the angels ask their question, they get an explanation of what has happened. He's not here, he has risen, and the women go back to the men to tell them, the apostles, to report on what's happened, and in classic hashtag me too fashion, they are not believed. The church's 2,000-year effort to squelch leadership countered from the very beginning. So think of those stories, Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, all of these other unnamed women, their resurrection stories and yours. Somehow, Peter, in the face of all this disbelief, runs to the tomb. It's kind of a funny image in your mind, a grown man running to the tomb, but Peter knows. He knows even in the face of all of this skepticism that something is going on. So he kind of stoops down and looks in the tomb and he believes Peter's resurrection story and yours. Did you notice who is not in the story this morning? Jesus. Jesus appears nowhere in the Easter account from Luke's Gospel. What to make of all that? Now he'll show up soon enough to be sure, but in terms of the central moment in the story, perhaps the central moment in all of history, Luke lets the empty tomb and the burial clothing do the heavy lifting. Why do you look for the living among the dead? But Jesus is already long gone. He is leading the story forward. It is his resurrection story to be sure. Let's be clear about that. But Luke seems disinterested in the detail and more interested clearly in how our resurrection stories develop through the prism of his. I think that's the point, right? If the point of a year of stories is to tell stories, to listen to stories, to discover all of those points of connection and intersection, then the point of resurrection stories is to do the same, to tell and to hear the Easter story, to discover points of connection 
with our story, your story, my story, the human story. It's not if, it's not whether, but how they connect. Throughout Lent, we have named groups whose stories are not often told, whose voices have been silenced. In this case, because of racism in church and culture. Willie James Jennings' foundational work called The Christian Imagination, Theology and the Origins of Race, links the systematic enslavement of Africans with Jesus' suffering. Both Jesus and the enslaved suffered outside the city, absent power. The horrific irony, of course, is that Africans were enslaved under the auspices of Christian theology, or a perversion of it. Jennings writes that the body of Jesus will ultimately indicate the victory of God over death, but the enslaved African's body indicates the ultimate victory of death. So in my language, not Jennings, I wonder how we, especially we white Christians, how can we hear this story and enter under the rhythm of lament and confession and repentance before we can embrace reconciliation and resurrection. What's that resurrection story? And I wonder what resurrection looks like some 20 years and a day after the horrific events of Columbine High School for victims, for survivors, for perpetrators. And for survivors of every mass shooting since then, how do we unpack Jesus' question of looking for the living among the dead? Because resurrection on this side of justice feels empty to me. Resurrection on the other side of justice feels like a beautiful thing, pursued by we followers of the Prince of Peace. And I wonder what resurrection story will be told this week as flames consumed much of Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Like you, I was struck by the images, the grief, the spontaneous hymn singing outside the charred walls this holy week. And like you, I've read stories about priorities and values and wealth like so many things, rebuilding this space that has meant so much to so many, culturally and artistically and spiritually, is not mutually exclusive from rebuilding churches in Louisiana burned by racist arsonists or responding to the tragedies in Sri Lanka even today. We can do all of those things. We can do more than any one limited notion would help us understand. I learned a song a long time ago that a church is not a building, a church is a people, and that's certainly true, but Notre Dame is more than the building, just as this place is more than a building. Buildings matter as launching pads for resurrection stories, whether on the banks of the Seine or the banks of the Genesee, resurrection stories of beauty healing and mercy.
the faithful women, the disbelieving men, some of both. Where does your story connect? When you discern suffering in your own life or in the life of the world, where does your story connect? When the angel asks you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? How will you look for the living? And where? When you run to the tomb and find it empty, what will your next step be? Where will your perplexity take you? Where will your amazement take you? Do you remember Venn diagrams from grade school? I think we learned them in math class in fifth or sixth grade. So imagine a cosmic Venn diagram. There's your story, your full and authentic story. There's your neighbor's story, someone you know well. There's a stranger's story, someone you may never meet. There's a city's story, a culture's story. There's the church's story. And there's Jesus' story. And at the places where all of those stories intersect, this morning is called resurrection. It is already moving ahead of us, calling us forward. And even if we run our fastest, we will never quite catch up with it, as our story is told, which is the way it should be, and perhaps the best gift of all. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Happy Easter. Amen.